ladies and gentlemen, we're just moments away. That's the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Hey, yo. Smart marks. What's a smart mark? A mark with a high IQ. Back in town, and we ain't in town to mess around. To be the man, you gotta beat the man, and I'm saying, whoo, right here, I'm the man. That's hard time. Yeah. And what they're gonna do when Hulkamania in the largest part of the world runs wild on you? Rest in peace. You just made the list! It's heating up here! There's a slop drop! I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're the man, what the rock is cooking! Two, a slot drop. Welcome back, everybody, to the slot drop. This is episode number twenty-three. I'm Nathan Rogers at Woo Pig Sumo on Twitter, and joined, as always, is the loose cannon, David McVie. Hey, man, it has been quite a week in the world of professional wrestling. It's also been quite a week for the slot drop. Is we got a very special guest joining us later in the show. The one and only, the last great hope for professional wrestling, Joey Corman, is going to be right here live tonight on the Slop Drop. Man, what a crazy week it has been, uh, full of ups and downs. Uh, we, we'll always uh, we'll kick it off with Raw like we normally do. The uh, show opens up with Roman Reigns, a guest on Miz TV. Uh, that leads to another attack by Elias and Bobby Lashley, which set up a tag team match later on. Roman Reigns and The Miz defeated Lashley and Elias by DQ when Shane McMahon interfered. Shane then uh, made a false count anywhere match between Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman, where if Sami Zayn wins, he takes Braun's spot at Money in the Bank ladder match, which is this weekend. Uh, Mojo Raleigh comes out with his new gimmick, his new character, and defeats Apollo Crews, which uh, mixed emotions on that. I, I don't know what to think about Mojo's new uh, character or his new get up there and uh, I just I kind of hate to see Apollo Crews lose like that because he's such a talented wrestler and I understand you got to put uh, Mojo over just you know to get him over but I hate that it comes at the expense of Apollo man uh, three words poor Apollo Crews uh, about what three three weeks ago three four weeks ago he was starting to get a little bit of a push because we had the whole new change in the direction of the WWE but, uh, you know, then they end up having him job out in two minutes to Mojo. And what is this, like the 10th time that they've tried to uh, restart Mojo? The fans are never getting behind <laughs> him. And, man, like, even during that match, was it me or was it awkward? I mean, I was, I was turning the channel. Yeah. It was painful to watch. Has Mojo lost his Mojo? I don't think Mojo ever had any Mojo. But, man, uh, poor think- Apollo Cruz. I think Mojo needs to just wait until the Gronk becomes a part of the roster and then uh, they can start their tag team. 
The Mojo and Gronk connection. <laughs> the Nikki Cross all of a sudden seems to be Alicia, uh, Alicia Alexa Bliss's sidekick, and kind of uh, I don't know if she wants to play anymore. She ex- seemed a little normal, and then uh, l- later on replaces her in a fatal four way match. So. Uh, not sure what they're doing with her character, but at least they're using her now. And uh, we'll touch on her in just a little bit. Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, and Charlotte Flair had a double contract signing for the women's championships at Money in the Bank. A uh, segment ended with Flair and Evans putting Lynch through the table. And also, Becky Lynch made it uh, social media official that her and Seth Rollins are an item, which we've all known for weeks. Well, man, I got to say, that segment, I thought that was a really good segment. Uh, Lacey, Lacey Evans has won me over. I didn't really know what to think with all the initial, you know, walking down the proper lady thing. But to me, she's already showing. She carries herself like she's a champ. And oh, she yeah. held her own in the ring. I know you've been really high on her, but, uh, you know, really good segment by all of them. Of course, Becky, just being Becky, continues that that confidence and bravado she has just continues to translate into uh, some good work right now. I think Lacey Evans is very talented. Uh, a lot of people don't like her, but guess what? That's You're not supposed to. She's supposed to be a heel, and I think she's doing a great job. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think it would be great if she came out and just started handing like bars of soap to the crowd just to get more heat. But uh, Baron Corbin then defeats Ricochet with the end of days. Cesaro jokes around backstage about how Rey Mysterio's son looks a lot more like Samoa Joe than he does him, which, you know what? It's kind of true. <laughs> Joe's his daddy, man. Joe's been Who's the, your poppy? Yeah, Joe's been the poppy all along. Uh, that Corbin Ricochet, I got two words for that match. Poor Ricochet. What the heck, man? What is going on with that? Uh, they've got to – trying to get Corbin over, which, you know, it's, it is working. People, they hate him for being a heel. That's, that's what he's supposed to do, but – Again, it's at the expense of Ricochet. Uh, t- touched on Nikki Cross a little bit ago. She ends up defeating Natalia, Naomi, and Dana Brooke. Alexa Bliss has not been cleared to compete at Money in the Bank. This is kind of some breaking news, I believe, today. And will be replaced by Nikki Cross. So uh, that's a good move. I know uh, we've been saying for weeks, where's Nikki Cross been? And kudos to them for letting uh, Nikki Cross jump in there like that. Well, hey, the best part of that match to me is when Alexa Bliss, she was talking about, uh, you know, the babies with the rural baby and everything that's recently yeah. happened. But, uh, you know, I, I really like what she talked about. Babies just spitting and burping like coal. To me, that was the best <laughs> part of the entire match. Overall, just an average match. But uh, Bliss stealing the show, messing with Michael Cole. A moment of bliss. Rey Mysterio defeats Cesaro. Poor Cesaro. Yeah. You think uh, you think he's missed his window? I think his window was done the day that Vince McMahon talked about grabbing the brass ring. Cesaro, he is a star. He should be positioned like a star. Total misuse uh, to bring in Rey Mysterio and have him beat Cesaro. Uh, unfortunately, I think Cesaro's run with the bar and all that, I think, is done. I think uh, he's he's basically a jogger now. Yeah, I hate that. You know, uh, when they started the bar, I was like, oh, great. They just threw another couple singles guys in and made a tag team just for the heck of it, just to get some people on, you know, some TV time. But they really did make it work. Uh, They ended up winning tag belts, I believe, both Raw and SmackDown. And 
ended up to be a pretty good tag team, but now Sheamus is dealing with a pretty serious injury. Uh, hopefully he will be back, and then uh, we'll see where their singles runs goes. But, yeah, Cesaro, very talented. I'm just uh, – I'm afraid maybe it's uh, it's past his prime. Bray Wyatt, then another latest episode of the Firefly Funhouse, and then he reveals this uh, twisted, evil, slipknot-looking clown mask, and I thought it was great. Again, they're they're actually doing something good. Let's cross our fingers if they don't mess it up. Well, hey, the segment was great, but then when they went to the announcers who looked spooked, that, to me, that was stupid. Yowie, wowie, we're going to have so much fun here. Yeah, there's actually a couple of uh, parents complaining on social media that it scared their kids, which, oh well. <laughs> uh, the Revival challenged the Usos to a match, saying that they're tired of being embarrassed. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that's going to continue until they're finally phased out. Uh, I, I wish that was not true, but uh, it just bothers me that if if you're going to use the Revival to embarrass them all the way until their contract is done, you're taking up precious TV time for somebody that's sitting in the back that would love to have that time to showcase their skills or just to get a chance to – just a chance. So if you're if you're going to bury them, then why waste TV time on them? I, I love the Revival. I think they're a great tag team. I wish they'd actually use them. And, but if they're not going to use them, then somebody else can. And so why waste waste the time on them? No, I, I I just hate to see what they've done to the revival, the misuse of the revival. Uh, to me, it's just uh, it just kills me. Some of the great tag teams they've had in there, and they're basically turning them like a joke, like it's mid nineteen nineties WWF booking. Yeah, didn't have a false count anywhere match between Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman. Like we said, Strowman's ladder mat, uh, Money in the Bank match. Uh, spot is on the line. Sami Zayn ends up winning. Uh, pretty crazy, but hey, kudos to Sami. Well, a couple things I I was uh, unsure about. There was a little bit of no selling in this match on Braun's part. Well, I think the no selling Braun. They're just trying to show him being a beast. I love Sami Zayn's work right now. His promos are great. Uh, he's even though the match was kind of predictable. Uh, I think Sammy is going to make that money in the uh, money in the bank match much better this weekend. Hey, hey again, kudos to Sammy Zayn. I know we've uh, talked about him in the past. They're using him like like they did Tito Santana back in the day as a, a mid Carter, but uh, he's doing some good stuff right now. Uh, the only thing about Sammy I would change is his entrance song. I don't know. The crowd seems to really dig the. Uh, the, the yeah, the crowd loves it. I, I would keep that part, but eh, I, I would I would change it up a little bit. But Amp it up with me. some uh, guitars in there a little more. Yeah. Over on SmackDown, Roman Reigns and, and The Miz open the show again, They just like they did Raw. Uh, quickly interrupted by Shane again and Elias. Uh, attacked by Elias, uh, McMahon, Daniel Bryan, and Rowan. Usos come out and make the save. Uh, we go to a fatal four-way match between Andrade, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, and Ali. Andrade wins. Looks like uh, Andrade is in for an intercontinental title push even after this. So, um, you know, good. Uh, he's very talented. 
I, I think he can go far. I know there's been some uh, stuff online where Vince McMahon supposedly told him, learn some English and get back to me. I don't know if he's learned enough English, but it looks like maybe he's getting a push. Well, hey, I'm just glad to see Andrade get a win. I know uh, we were kind of disappointed he was getting pushed and then all of a sudden sent right back down. Uh, I'd like to see Andrade. I think him and uh, him and Finn, I think, could do some pretty good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, though, like the whole wild card rule thing, I think it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's – it looks like they may be using the same four guys back and forth. Uh, Charlotte Flair says she'll defeat Becky Lynch at Money in the Bank, and Aleister Black and Lacey Evans also had a couple of taped promos. Daniel Bryan, Rowan, and Shane McMahon and Elias defeated Roman Reigns and the Usos. Now, they have the opportunity – well, I I guess they don't have the opportunity unless they use this wild card thing, but they could set up a a whole new stable, a faction between Roman and his cousins, the Usos, and, uh, you know, at one time they called themselves the bloodline. I think that is an, that's a great opportunity WWE could have used or can still use. I would definitely put them three together, turn them heel, call them the bloodline, and uh, I would even may even be a fan of that, even though I've never really been a Roman or Usos fan. I think that's a cool idea. Hey, at least it'd be something new. I mean, this whole vanilla babyface thing. Uh, just is not getting over. Nope. Have an Ember Moon promo. Uh, we then have Kari Sane and Asuka, which are now called the Kabuki Warriors, defeated Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Main event segment was KO Show with Kofi Kingston. Uh, Owens interviewed Kingston from backstage and then showed up the ramp to brawl. Sami Zayn helped his buddy Kevin Owens and Xavier Woods ran out to even up the odds, but KO and Sami overwhelmed him. Uh, yada yada yada, and this sets up for the Money in the Bank match this weekend. Well, I thought that was probably one of the weakest segments. I mean, it was all right, but you know, I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like you know, Sammy and Kevin have just been they've always been together. I was kind of excited seeing Sammy doing his own thing, and then you bring him right over. But I mean, both shows to me was was weak. Uh, if, if I was to say Raw, I'd say thumbs down, SmackDown, thumbs down. Uh, to me, it just kind of felt like it was a mess at, with the uh, this whole superstar shakeup, wildcard rule. Uh, and plus, I don't know, it's those international tapings, usually it always picks up because it has, a, you know, some good wrestling in it. I always think back to when Shawn Michaels and John mm-hmm. Cena win an hour. But this one showed there's some issues uh, with the WWE universe right now. Yeah, a hey, shout out to the UK. Though that crowd is always hot. We have actually a a large following uh, from the UK. A large portion of our listeners are from the UK. You guys bring it and are always on fire. But as for the shows themselves, again, uh, I wasn't very impressed. I can actually say that this is the first time in a while I thought Raw was a little better than SmackDown. But overall, both shows for go home shows, the pay per view this weekend. I wasn't feeling it. I think they could have been a lot better. Hey, I wouldn't be buying it. If uh, if I didn't have the network for nine ninety nine. I'm not going to pay anything for it. Uh, to me, no buildup, no excitement. Honestly, I'm probably not even going to watch it. I'll wait till uh, one of the big four come along. Speaking of money in the bank matches, we'll run down through them real quick. And uh, if you want to tell me who you got, we'll make a couple predictions. But 
Money in the Bank, uh, we've got the WWE Cruiserweight Championship on the line between champion Tony Nese and Davari. I think Tony Nese retains. Uh, I, I think uh, Nese retains. I think he's still early in his reign. U.S. Championship match between champ Samoa Joe and Mysterio. I have Samoa Joe. Yeah, I'm Plus going with Joe. Might see a little interference there uh, by Dominic. Yeah, I think uh, Joe turns out being his poppy. Men's Money in the Bank match with Andrade, Ricochet, McIntyre, Balor, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Ali, and Orton. Again, I think that Andrade and Balor will continue their feud, so I don't think either one of them will win. I think McIntyre wins. I think Sami Zayn will come close. They'll might tease it a little bit. But uh, actually, I'm going to go between Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin, one of those two. I think I think McIntyre wins. I think Sami Zayn takes some wildly crazy bumps in the match. Women's Money in the Bank match, Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Bailey, Ember Moon, Carmella, Mandy Rose, and Nikki Cross. You know, I think uh, I think they might surprise us here. I think Dana Brooke might take it. Yeah, Dana Brooks been getting a little bit of a push, but honestly, with that match, who cares who wins? I just <laughs> no interest, no build up. Uh, that's who I'm going for. I say, who cares? Raw Women's Tag Champ Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans. I think Becky Lynch retains. Yeah, I think Lynch retains. I think Evans is going to show why she is a superstar that's not far behind uh, Charlotte and and uh, Becky level. Miz versus Shane in a cage. I think the Miz finally gets his victory over Shane and hopefully puts an end to this feud and we can move on. I would hope that would happen, but I got a sneaking feeling WWE's going to just beat that and beat that and beat that. I think Shane O'Mac pulls it off. Roman Reigns versus Elias. I got Roman. I would like to see Elias, but I don't know where they would take him from there. I think uh, they brought Roman back. They've been showing all these packaged videos of him beating cancer and making his comeback. I'm pretty sure Roman's going to win it. Well, Roman wins in my book, but I don't like it. WWE champ Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. I think they leave the belt on Kofi for just a little bit longer. Yeah, Kofi Mania is going to last another month. He pulls off the victory here in my book. Universal Championship match between champion Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Uh, I would love to see AJ Styles win, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Seth retains. Yeah, I think Rollins retains. He's got the belt. He's got the babe. He's got the. He's on a roll. They just let him keep going. Speaking of his babe, now the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Becky and Charlotte. I think Charlotte wins. Yeah, I think they got to split that up because I think they're going to come off where uh, Becky and Lacey might have a rivalry going. Uh, so maybe they split that off. Maybe there's some outside interference uh, from Lacey in that that helps Charlotte win. But will we see somebody cash in the money in the bank and either go for the Raw Women's Raw or SmackDown title or the WWE or Universal title? I don't think anyone cashes it in this pay-per-view, but I got a sneaking feeling something's going to happen at SummerSlam. i tell you what would be cool uh, – Seth Rollins retains, and then McIntyre comes out, cashes in, and destroys him. Oh, I'd love to see McIntyre with the belt around him. WWE Saudi Arabia Super Showdown. We've got a few matches advertised. The Undertaker versus Goldberg for the first time. Triple H versus Randy Orton. And then a 50-man snooze fest battle royal. Hey, I just hope that uh, 
that uh oh, I can't even think of his name now right now. Titus O'Neil. Uh that I just I just want to see him run to the ring. That's the only re- thing I'm going to watch in that pay-per-view. Hey, uh, you, you know, we've talked to you talked to Jerry Lawler, uh, the king about this and he kind of told you the story about his advice to Titus after that. Yeah, they ought to go back and listen to one of our previous episodes when we interviewed Jerry the King Lawler, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, pretty cool to hear the advice that he gave Titus. Hey, sometimes a fall like that is something that could turn into a great angle. You got to go back into the archives and check it out. Turn a negative into a positive. Exactly. NXT's got a pay-per-view coming up. Uh, tag titles have officially been vacated by the undefeated Viking Raiders. A uh, quick rundown of that card. The NXT Championship is now between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. I got Adam Cole, baby. Oh, I'd love to see Adam Cole, baby, win the belt. Uh, love his work. NXT Women's Championship on the line between Shayna Baszler and EO. Um, Shayna Baszler is really good. And uh, I think Norm, typically she would uh, retain this, but I, I wonder if she hasn't had the title just a little too long. I wonder if they're going to maybe let somebody else have a chance at it. Uh, I don't Shana know. Baza, I, man, I love her work. I think I'm going to say that she retains. I think you keep the belt on her a little bit. I'd love to see her come up to the uh, Raw roster with the belt still around her. And, uh, you know, maybe set up some good rivalries in the WWE. To me, she's ready to go. She's ready for prime time, baby. Oh, yeah. I said it before. I'll say it again. She's everything they were hoping Ronda Rousey would be. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Ronda because I was one of the only people that was uh, rooting for her and thought she was doing a great job. But uh, Baszler's got the, the in-ring talent, and she's decent on the mic. Was where uh, That's where Ronda kind of lacked, but. NXT Tag Team Championship Undisputed Era versus the Street Profits versus the Forgotten Sons versus Lorkin and Birch. I'm hoping the Undisputed Era wins. I I just hope they don't start breaking up the Undisputed Era. I'm a little concerned. Like you mentioned, we love that, you know, four horsemen vibe that they have. Uh, hopefully, you know, keep them together. Don't break them up. NXT North American Championship Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze. That'll be a heck of a match, and I think Tyler Breeze is going to win. I think he deserves it. I think they they need to juice him up a little bit, give him a little boost, and I think that Velveteen Dream is probably going to go on to bigger and better things, so I think Tyler Breeze wins. I I like Tyler Breeze. His first run in NXT was great. Hopefully they don't just bring him back to be a jobber. Hopefully they get him back going again. I'd love to see him come back out and get a push. Last but not least, Kushida versus Drew Gulak. I'm a big fan of both these guys. Uh, I think Gulak is, is hilarious. He's got a good gimmick. He's very technical and an awesome wrestler. But you're bringing in the the hot uh, superstar from Japan and just fresh out of New Japan, I think Kushida gets the win. Yeah, I think Kushida, there's been too much buildup. They can't have him lose this early. Uh, definitely, I think uh, – you know, they're going to put some uh, something behind him. They want to see him win. MLW News, Austin Aries has signed with MLW. Oh, double A. He's still <laughs> in the game. The MLW building quite the roster. They've or, got I'm Austin. sorry, A-double. Let A-double. Me A-double. Got to get that right. But A-double 
Uh, I think he's trying to see if he can work for every organization there is. I, I think so. It seems like he leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth, though. So we'll see how long this one lasts. But again, MLW building up quite the roster. Austin Aries, uh, Jim Cornette is helping out not only, you know, in the booth, but uh, doing some stuff backstage. The Hart Foundation, Brian Pillman Jr., who recently came, gave us a, a shout out. Would you now, would you love to have the independent superstar Brian Pillman Jr. on your podcast? What do you call it? The slop drop? Well, I'll tell you what. The only slop that I'm dropping is going to be in that toilet over there. So until you guys can come up with a cool name to parade around on YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, Google, whatever you have, until you can come up with a proper name for royalty such as myself then uh, your fans are going to be the only one listening to the slop drop. And until you bring me in under my terms, then I'll think about giving your podcast a listen, okay? But as far as all you other fans out there, if you like slop and you want to hear the drop, then go on and check out the slop drop. We appreciate that and wish him the best of luck. And the upcoming AEW Battle Casino Battle Royale for the winner gets a shot at the AEW Championship. And speaking of AEW, finally, a TV deal is done. Well, AEW going to TNT. They're going back to Turner, baby. Uh, Like what we talked about weeks ago here on the uh, Slop Drop. We're so excited uh, let me see. You got a billionaire backing them. They're going to be on TNT. Hey, you know, I think this could be, uh, you know, wrestling's really down in the WWE right now. Hey, maybe there might be another game in town. We'll have to see how it works itself out. Some exciting times. Double or nothing coming up May 25th. It's going to be about 50 or 60 bucks to watch it on pay-per-view. I know there's a lot of fans not really happy about that, but you know what? It costs that much to watch a UFC fight. So if you want to watch it, then you're going to do what you got to do to watch it. But really looking forward to the Tuesday Night Dynamite on TNT. Uh, The press release said they're going to focus on wrestling and less soap opera storylines and no scripted promos. Hey, that's wrestling as it should be. Also signed Earl Hebner as one of the refs. Maybe Bret Hart to show up. (laughs) You get to replay the Montreal Screwjob. Impact. Pro Wrestling Insider reports that Killer Cross has requ- requested to be released from his Impact contract. I don't know if you're familiar with Killer Cross, but he's a great heel. He's got uh, he's got the look. He's good on the mic, and he's pretty talented. So I don't know if they're going to work something out, or we might see Killer Cross in a different promotion soon. But you know, that's that's a good get for somebody. Well, hey, when you said Impact Wrestling, <laughs> I just said two words: Who cares? Uh, UFC, some MMA, UFC 237, Thug Rose lost, Anderson Silva lost, Jose Aldo lost, excuse me, Jose Aldo, Tiago Alves lost, Little Nog lost, BJ Penn, all of them lose. The big names are starting to lose. I don't know if it's the up-and-comers or these guys are just over the hill and it's time to move on. Bellator, Michael Chandler lost, 
Michael Venom Page, MVP loss, Pat Curran, all those are top Bellator names. They all lose. The only one that uh, notable that, that won was Jack Swagger. And Jack Swagger did not want to let loose of the hold. Uh, that was interesting to see how that played itself out. Uh, just other odds and ends. Uh, Lars Sullivan was fined $100,000 in order to attend sensi- sensitivity training after some really uh, silly remarks he made, which was 10 years ago. Uh, they finally caught up to him. And I've also read, you know, his recent anxiety issues where, where he went on a hiatus a while back. He was worried this was going to happen. And so that's what caused all that. And now he's he's back. He's he's trying to own up to it. Uh, they actually legitimately find him. And they're making him go to this training. And Titus O'Neill was the first one that came out that, that said, hey, thanks for uh, coming to me and talking to me. We all mess up. So hopefully all this mess is behind us. Um, not sure uh, what's in store for Lars, but hopefully he'll be able to move on, put this behind him, and, and continue his career. Now, can you think of another wrestler who's had more issues in his first six months than Lars? Uh, hoping it all works out for him, but, man, he's already – uh, he's got a long way to go to grab the brass ring. The Tom McGee and Bret Hart holy grail of wrestling matches. Uh, Conrad Thompson originally, well, I don't know if he originally had an idea, but he got his hands on th- this tape that has been out. And for those that don't know, a little backstory, I'll try to make it quick. Tom McGee was a guy that Vince McMahon had branded his next Hulk Hogan. He had the look, he looked good in the ring, blah, blah, blah. What the deal was, though, and after he saw, after Vince saw this match with Bret Hart, he's like, that's the guy. I mean, he's he's it. The deal was, though, he actually sucked. Bret Hart is the guy that made him look good in the ring by helping him through that match. Uh, anyway, that was taped, and the tape had, had been lost for forever. I don't know how many years, for a long time. It obviously didn't work out for Tom McGee. Anyway, the tape had resurfaced as a VHS tape. Bret Hart had sent uh, sent this uh, box of stuff to some lady to to get a D- DVD for him, and this tape was found. It reemerged. Conrad Thompson had you know he's got Starcast two coming up, and he had an idea where he was going to play the play the video, have Tom McGee and Bret Hart both on stage talk about it. Well, conveniently, uh, you know, a few weeks away, the WWE, which they rightfully own it, so can't really blame them but they come up with this documentary and they put on the network just a few weeks before conrad's able to to show it at his event well hey it's like the monday night wars again both uh organizations playing a little uh hardball yeah and i know that conrad has adamantly said he doesn't work for aew but if you go to their official webpage and you go to their roster he's on the roster uh, some sad news. Uh, like I said, when we started the show, there's, this has been a weeks of ups and downs. You know, we're happy that, uh, AEW's got their deal in place and, and maybe gonna give us a little, a competition or, or, or a different option, which competition is going to make all these different wrestling promotions better. And hopefully the WWE as well, but some sad news over the week, last weekend, Silver King, WCW and Luchador legend and the the main villain in the movie Nacho Libre passed away in the ring as he was wrestling Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, I always enjoyed uh, Silver King, Monday Nitro, part of some great uh, uh, Lucha Libre matches. Uh, rest in peace. 
Uh, great entertainer. Unfortunately, some people had put that online and it was shared. Uh, you can actually, you know, see what happened. And uh, it's really a sad thing. Uh, I don't know why the referee didn't take better action than what he did. But as a result of that, the MLW and AEW now are requiring their referees to get certified in CPR, which I think is an, an outstanding idea. Speaking of uh, CPR and issues, Ric Flair hospitalized today. I think some uh, outlets have kind of blown that way out of proportion. Conrad Thompson, which is his son-in-law, has said that it's not as big a deal as what TMZ and some others have made it out to be. It was kind of a, it's been a, it's a planned procedure, and he's doing fine. So get well soon, Nate. Yeah, Nature Boy Ric Flair, uh, so glad when they announced that it wasn't as bad as initially thought. Uh, uh, get well soon, Nate. Uh, we need you styling and profiling. I know there's a roast to Ric Flair coming up soon. Uh, would love to see him be able to uh, attend that down the road sometime. Uh, sadly, Ashley Massaro, uh, age 39, passed away today. Ashley, she won some diva search back in the, the diva era and was under contract for WWE for quite a few years and had some special moments. But she passed away today at age 39. Just another casualty of the business. You know, we've been watching this dark side of the ring, which has been outstanding. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, the latest episode, which I think was the season finale, was last night, and it was about Fabulous Moolah, and our good buddy Matt Riviera had a small clip from his YouTube show in that, so that was kind of cool. I really enjoyed the series. Check it out. I really uh, I really enjoyed the one on Bruiser Brody, just a great episode. Also, Gino Hernandez. I didn't know a lot about Gino, uh, but after watching it, I was like, what a star, what a talent he could have been. Also, what a gripping documentary uh, you got to check it out. Uh, check them out online. I watched it on YouTube. A great series. Excellent series. <clears throat> hey, yo. It's survey time. Surveys and polls. Raw, Twitter, 12% said good, 31% fair, 23% average, and 34% poor. On Facebook, they give 44% gave raw a thumbs down, while 56% gave it a thumbs up. SmackDown Live, our Twitter audience, 25% said good, 20% fair, 23% average, 32% poor. Facebook, 14% gave it a thumbs down and 86% gave it, I'm sorry, 14% of thumbs up and 86% of thumbs down. Man, I can't talk. Uh, I asked the, our followers, would you rather see Undertaker and Goldberg or Undertaker versus Sting? 17% said Goldberg, and 83% said Sting, but a lot tweeted in neither. <laughs> um, I asked should the WWE consider changing Mr. McMahon's tyrant boss character to going the uh, going senile character, which would kind of help save face to explain, you know, why things have been so inconsistent lately and even maybe on down the road prepare for his exit. Twitter, 79% said yes, 21% said no. Facebook, 83% yes, and 13% said no. Now, uh, this next one, I, I messed up the wordage just a little bit, but I, unfortunately it wouldn't let me go back and edit it. I asked if the WWE would have been better if they would have uh, continued WCW rather than start SmackDown, which SmackDown had already started. What I meant to say, would the WWE been better off had they continued running WCW as it was rather than continuing SmackDown as it was, which is only two years old, so they could have, you know, just canceled that and, and ran WCW and kept all their titles and all that. 
Uh, Twitter, 78% said yes. 22% said no. Facebook, 86% said yes. And 14% said no. Uh, I asked who currently had the better solo stash in the WWE, Jack Gallagher or Robert Roode. On Twitter, 46% said Jack Gallagher, while 54% said Robert Roode. Facebook, 34% said Jack, and 66% said Roode. Where's, where's Robert Roode? Uh, he's missing just like uh, half of the WWE roster. <clears throat> he's MIA. Uh, mentioned the UFC earlier. I said which legend is in most need of retirement, BJ Penn or Anderson Silva. On Twitter, 64% said BJ Penn and 36% said Anderson Silva. Facebook, 60% said Penn and 40% said Silva. That doesn't work for me, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. That don't work for me, brother. If I could go and change anything that was announced or that happened this week uh, between the talent and some matches, I think it would be The Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg, even though uh, it's the first time they have ever faced each other. That don't work for me, brother. I think I'd put somebody else on that card. Oh, don't work for me, brother, right now is uh, actually the entire WWE uh, Raw and SmackDown. That don't work for me, brother. I mean, painful to watch right now. Uh, come on, WWE. You got some talent, man. Let's get some entertaining matches going. The good. The bad. The ugly. Good, bad, and ugly. My good would be AEW's TV deal and just the hopes of some some good competition. You know, it's going to bring make all the shows try harder, maybe write better. Uh, the guys are going to perform a little bit better, and you know, competition is back, and that's a good thing. My bad would be the ref from the Silver King versus Hoovy match. Again, I don't think he. I, I don't know what was going on there. I, I didn't see an X throwed up. I didn't see you know help on the way. Uh, he just continued the match, which I know the old saying, business must go on. But uh, I just felt like more should have been done. My ugly is all the fake death reports I read today about Ric Flair. Uh, I think, uh, man, that should be an automatic. If you tweet something out like that, uh, saying that Ric Flair died and when he hasn't, I think they should just suspend your account. Well, me this week, AEW's the good. WWE programming is bad, and the reports on Flair, I agree. That was ugly. Uh, also, terrible to ha to lose uh, Ashley Massaro at age 39. Uh, and then also have Silver King, I think he was like 49, uh, to lose those talents have gone way too young. Uh, rest Joining us now on the Slop Drop is indie wrestler, the last great hope, Joey Corman. What's up, guys? Thanks for having Thanks me for on. Us, man, it's a pleasure. Well, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take time to uh, 
do one of these here uh, podcasts or whatever it's called these days. I'm only going to talk to the best. So, I mean, obviously. what I'm talking about. Well, man, I'm excited to have the last great hope for professional wrestling. I know, Joey, we got a chance to interview you uh, down at the MSW gym a few weeks back. But uh, so glad to have a few more minutes to talk with you tonight. And uh, I know you've been a busy man. You've been all over the place lately. A lot going on uh, with your wrestling right now. Man, I try to stay busy. Uh, you know, just like anybody else that's in the business, you got to be out there and you got to be visible. And uh, the only way to do that really is to hit the road. And uh, that's what I've done when I broke in in 98. I uh, got a little, you know, a little time under my belt, a couple years, and then I just hit the road. And uh, it's essentially been nonstop for the last almost 20 years. Uh, that's the only way to get out there and get known. And uh, if you want to go around and uh, or if you want to claim that you're the best, you got to go around and actually face competition. Uh, I was never content with being a big fish in a small pond. I wanted to hit the ocean and see if I could make it. And uh, so that's that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. I'm not going to ever stop unless I absolutely have to. I'm just going to keep going out there and seeking out the best competition and trying to prove that I've still got it. Hey, man, we our audience, we, we're spread from, uh, from here to all over the country and have a, a large UK following now. Uh, a huge part of our audience is across the pond. But for those that are not aware, you, you mentioned you started in 98. Tell us about who trained you, how you got started, and uh, what made you want to get into wrestling in the first place. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up loving professional wrestling. And, and you know, that's what initially made me want to be a professional wrestler. Now, the reason why I'm still doing it all these years later is because uh, – there's there's really nothing that can describe the feeling that I get when I'm in the ring. Uh, there's never been anything that can really match that feeling. So uh, that's why I'm still doing it. Initially, I got involved because I was a fan just like everybody else. Um, I started out with the idea to be a referee, and then uh, I realized that I could talk. So I said, well, hey, you know, I always looked up to managers, Cornette, Heenan, Jimmy Hart, uh, Gary Hart, guys like that. So I said, well, I'll try my, you know, I'll try my hand at managing. And uh, right about the time I was training, uh, 97, there were a lot of smaller guys on uh, national TV. A lot of luchadors were coming in. A lot of the cruiserweights were coming in. And, uh, you know, just like the indies tend to try to emulate what's going on on the national level, they started looking for small guys. And it just happened the timing was right for me to come in as a small guy and actually be able to break in the business as a wrestler. And uh, initially had started training in 97 with Killer Tim Brooks. And finished up training with a guy named Jason Nash in Lufkin, Texas, who was trained by the great Tug Taylor. So, uh, you know, I had a, I had a nice little uh, group of trainers and guys that, uh, you know, had the experience and had been in the ring with. Um, that's that's one of the things that's missing, those guys that, that worked on that level and traveled and uh, had really worked all the territories and, and really learned to hone their craft. I think that's kind of missing these days. And it's not any of the guys fought that's just the way the business kind of changed but uh you know guys like tug taylor guys like killer tim brooks uh you really couldn't get any better than them as far as trainers um you know the guys that just knew what they were doing and had been now, around so correct uh, me if i'm wrong but killer tim brooks was he wouldn't he trained by dick murdoch and even the Sheik, the original Sheik? well he i know he trained with dick murdoch because dicky is his cousin mm -hmm. And uh, Dusty Rhodes. So he was trained by Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch. 
And he may have had some training with the Sheik. I'm sure he, he might have because uh, a Killer had a stellar career, man. He worked all over the country. He worked in uh, Portland. He was really good friends with Piper. He did a lot of stuff with him. Uh, a lot of stuff in Georgia, of course. A lot of stuff in Texas with uh, Fritz. And he also was um, a booker with Gary Hart, uh, I believe, in Houston. So, And he went to Japan, and he did a lot of stuff with uh, Bruiser Brody. And he, you know, Killer's career speaks, speaks for itself. But, uh, you know, and then that's the thing. I mean, as, as time goes on, you tell guys like, hey, I was trained by Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch. And that's, you know, that's that's good. And then you say, well, I was trained by Killer Brooks. Well, now as time goes on, it's like, well, I was trained by Joey Corman. And then it's like, well, after that, I was trained by so-and-so and so-and-so. And it kind of loses some of its luster. Again, it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way the business has changed. But being able to say that I trained with Killer Brooks and his lineage going back to Dusty and uh, Dick Murdoch, is, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so you come from pretty, a pretty good coaching tree there. Yeah, pretty solid foundation, at least. Well, Joey, I, I know uh, we got a chance. Uh, you know, I follow you on Facebook and stuff, and you're always uh, very fun to, uh, to uh, you know, whenever you do any of your little videos and promos, always a lot of fun to watch. But you had an album you shared a while back called Marking Out, where, you know, you kind of show pictures of you with superstars all throughout the years. You know, what has that been for you for the last 20-something years to – to meet all these legends that we've seen, a lot of them you've competed in the ring with. Uh, what is it like to be with some of these legends? And what if, uh, what's maybe some moments that really stick out to you as some moments you'll always remember? Well, first of all, I want to say to, the, to a lot of the young guys, um, when I broke in 20 years ago, it, it was a little more frowned upon to you know, take pictures and things like that, unfortunately, because you were kind of viewed as a, as a fanboy and a, and, and, and that had some negative connotations, of course. And I, I skipped a lot of opportunities that I really regret now because a lot of these guys have passed away. And, uh, you know, I'll never have an opportunity to talk to them again or, you know, take a picture or anything like that. So for all I'm going to tell the young guys right now, do it. If you are in the if you're in the back with a guy that you respect or you look up to or that, you know, even that you consider a friend or, you know, do it. Take a picture with them. Do whatever you got to do. Get an eight by ten if you want to do it. Everybody's in the business for the most part, especially nowadays, because we're fans. Uh, in the old days, it might have been a little bit different because guys were doing it for a living. And a lot of guys, it was their job and that was the way they viewed it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, the thing is, is, man, there's so many regrets that I have guys like uh, I was in the business for two months and I got to work with the junkyard dog. And about two months after that, he passed away. So that's been one of my main regrets because I didn't want to be looked at as a fanboy. I was in the locker room full of veterans. I was the youngest guy there. I was the newest guy there. And the last thing I wanted to do was have them look at me as and now it's a derogatory term. I don't use it to describe wrestling fans, but I didn't want to be looked at as a mark. And um uh, you know, having a respect to your peers. And I wanted to be treated like a colleague. I didn't want to be seen as just a fanboy who, you know, shouldn't be there. So, um, but just over the years, man, as time went on and I, I, I got a little more, uh, you know, seasoning to me, a little more time under my belt, I didn't really care if you wanted to call me a fanboy or, you, you know, whatever derogatory remark you may make about me uh, wanting to take a picture with someone that I grew up respecting or somebody that, you know, as, as I, that I consider a colleague or whatnot. So, uh, but just, just being able to mingle with guys that I grew up, you know, really, uh, 
really idolizing. Uh, these guys were like superheroes to me when I was a kid. Uh, tearing down a ring with Terry Gordy was one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. Uh, he worked the main event that night and he helped me tear down the ring. So that right there showed me what kind of person he was. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have to do anything. He could have just stood there and watched, but he jumped right in and helped me tear down the ring. And, and then being able to just meet guys that I'd always looked up to like Abdullah, the butcher, being able to work matches with Kamala, uh, Bobby Eaton, um, Tracy Smothers. I actually got an opportunity to get in the ring with Bill Dundee, who I've always been a huge fan of. And I still am, even though, you know, we didn't see eye to eye in the ring, uh, you know, professionally or whatnot. I, I was trying to, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was trying to use Bill as a stepping stone. Bill's been there. He is the superstar. He has had a storied career. And the only way that I'm going to be able to reset next level is I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to go over on some of those legends. So, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But nonetheless, uh, just some of the opportunities to get in the ring with guys that I grew up essentially idolizing and, uh, you know, and then being treated like a colleague by some of them and have some of them even pull me aside and tell me they like my work, give me pointers and, uh, you know, basically put my work over that. That right there is some of the, you know, one of the best feelings you can ever have somebody that you respected growing up calling you to the side and telling you, hey, man, you're, you're good. You're good at what you do. You mentioned uh, watching some of these guys when you were growing up. Who, who was your favorite? Who do you who do you uh, give credit to the most? Probably either you met or didn't meet that made you really get into to, to be a wrestling fan. The first person I really remember sparking my interest was Kabuki. Man, I was living in Texas. I was a little kid. We're probably talking 1982, and I saw Kabuki on tv and that was it man he he he's the one that made me really sit up and pay attention and then seeing abby and that's the thing like as i grew up i I don't work anything like these guys and i never have but my favorite guys were uh bruiser brody and abdullah the butcher and kabuki and uh later on the great muda and of course i loved rick flair i mean if you're a wrestling fan how can you not uh rick flair and then there was just guys that for some reason, I really always liked uh, the Iron Sheik. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He was just one of those guys. I love guys like the Missing Link. Um, and I love guys that, you know, had more of a, a realistic slant to him, like uh, Bob Roop and Kevin Sullivan. But then there were the character guys. Uh, like I said, like I mentioned Missing Link and Kamala. And uh, there were these guys. And that's one of the things I think is missing nowadays is everybody's a guy. Like it's. Jim Evans and Bob Smith and whomever it's everybody's a guy. There's not really a, a, that character, those missing links coming out and those Abdullah, the butchers and those Kamala. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I think is kind of missing from wrestling that, um, you know, cause when you think about those characters, man, those guys, when, when we watched them in the eighties, you could go see them on a show in the nineties. You could go see them on a show in the two thousands and they were still a consistent draw. People still, wanted to see these Something. guys and did you expect them to deliver a five-star match no you never expected that but you still wanted to go see kamala throw a couple chops at somebody's forehead and you wanted to go see abdullah stab a couple people with a fork. Think about kabuki and uh, for you younger fans out there or casual fans or, or fans that are, are just new to wrestling period go check out the great kabuki on youtube whatever that guy was way ahead of his time. You can look at some characters or some gimmicks nowadays, and you can see a little bit of the Kabuki in, all, in several of them. Even the Undertaker with his hair down over his face, that mystique. That guy was talented and way ahead of his time. 
Yeah, he was definitely, and then and there was even watching a uh, and watching Kevin Von Erich talk about him one time. Kevin was in his prime, you know, he was young, he was uh, fit, he was athletic, and he was talking about getting in the ring with Kabuki, and he was under the impression that he was going to run circles around Kabuki and uh, you know just basically blow him up because he was a little older than Kevin, and he was sitting in the back smoking a pack of cigarettes and all this other stuff. He said when he got in the ring with him, it was not like that at all. Kabuki hung with him the whole time, dished out everything that Kevin dished out, and he had Kevin blown up. So that that that'll tell you right there that some of those old guys, the old school guys, especially the guys that trained in the uh, Japanese dojos, they were way more um, physically fit and uh, agile than people gave them credit for. Well, Joey, uh, you know you've mentioned you started in ninety ninety seven ninety eight. Of course, that was during probably one of the biggest heydays, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars. Uh, You know, professional wrestling was just absolutely blowing up in the late 90s. And, of course, the independent scene has kind of been up and down. But the last couple of years, it seems like the independent scene is really starting to blow up. Well, I think what's going on is um, people have grown tired of the homogenized garbage product that they've been force-fed for the last decade. I mean – uh, you know, because I go back and I watch the Attitude Era. I watch some of the matches, and some of them were atrocious. You know, the matches were – there were some awful, awful matches. And so it's not like the ring work has gotten any better or any worse in some instances. A lot of times it has, but in some instances it, it has not. It's just the whole um, – the whole just era and the whole – and I hate to use that cliche attitude era, but, I mean, the way everyone's attitude was at the time and the way just the whole aura of the world at the time, I think that's why it uh, it, it was doing so well. And um, nowadays I think what it is is people are tired of this homogenized version of pro wrestling because I look at the, you know, the national company. I'm not going to mention them by – you know, by their uh, initials because they don't need any plugs from me. But to me, like the national company, the the one big, huge national company right now, to me is like the McDonald's of professional wrestling. It's a, uh, it it's it's kind of just like a a, a, a maybe like a homogenized version. Is all I can come <laughs> up with, man. It's like an assembly. You know, it's a, uh, it's like they would you. I wouldn't call McDonald's a burger joint. I would call it a fast food restaurant you know what i mean there's a difference like a burger joint is someone like juicies or you know these places that 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 uh that's their specific that's their specific thing but so to me the mcdonald's is a fast food spot it's not a burger joint and that's the way i feel about the national uh, wrestling company nowadays i don't think that it's pro wrestling i think it's kind of like the mcdonald's of because they'll even say they're not pro wrestlers they're sports entertainers or superstars and they won't call the the uh, product pro wrestling they call it sports entertainment so to me i think people are getting sick of that uh just garbage and they need something better and if you're going to find pro wrestling you're going to have to go to an armory or a rec center or a a small arena and watch guys do pro wrestling that's just the way it is kind of like the old days you went to small buildings you went to armories you went to whatever and you saw great pro wrestling and uh, i kind of think that's what it's kind of circled back around to which is great um so, I mean, I, I don't – I have not actively watched any national product since about 2002. I, I was in the business for about four years before, before I just gave up on watching it. And some people say that's bad. They say, well, you need to keep up with the current product so you know how to change your, your – cha- you need to change your style and yada, yada, yada. But to me, the, it's still good versus evil. Good versus evil has been a great battle from the beginning of time. So it's not something that's going to lose its uh, – 
you know, lose its steam. It's always going to be a formula that works. So, yeah, while some guys have picked up some of the moves and, like, they've, you know, the, the pace of their matches have changed. And really, the guys that make a lot of money, the paces of their match, it hasn't changed that much. They don't kick each other in the face 57 times. They don't hit 32 flips to the floor. They still do a standard wrestling match with, with psychology. And they, they, they're on top of the card and they're making the most money. Well, that's the thing I really like about, you know, especially when I've watched you in the past is because most of the time you'll be a heel in the matches I've seen you in, but you're great at drawing heat from the crowd. And to me, it seems like, especially in the national product, everyone wants to be a tweener. They want to be that cool heel and they don't do some of the things you would expect a heel to do. So I think that makes it as a fan difficult to watch. I can tell you when I watch a Joey Corman match, they're either going to love you or they're going to hate you. There's no in-between. You know, you're going to get heat from everybody. And it seems like almost the, the art of being a heel almost seems to be gone. Well, it is because the guys in the, on the national level, they're not allowed to work the crowd. I mean, I don't think – I think it's listed on their list of rules that they're not really allowed to work the crowd. They have to concentrate on two- to three-minute segments. They have to concentrate on a hard cam. They have to concentrate on when to bump to the floor to go to commercial break. They have to concentrate on when the run-ins come in. So they don't really have the, the time to work the crowd, and I don't think they're allowed. I think all they're allowed to do is go out, go through the uh, paint-by-number scenario that they're given in the back by their agents, and then bump to the floor for commercial and wait for the run-in. So they really don't have time to work the crowd, unfortunately. And that's one of the things that's missing from pro wrestling, that the whole reason that people generally went to wrestling was to go on an emotional roller coaster with you. And if you don't take them with you, then why did they even come to the show? Why did they even pay to get in? There's nothing more that they liked than to be interactive. You, 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 know, you hit a move as a heel, and you look out at them and say, shut up, fat boy, or you're next. Or you hit a big, pretty drop kick as a baby face and look out at him and go, that was for you, baby. You know what I mean? People like that. I liked it. I loved it as a kid. I loved yelling at the heels and having them turn and look at me and tell me to shut my mouth or whatever. I love that stuff, dude. It was great. And uh, that was one of the things that uh, made me a wrestling fan was you know being able to yell at these guys and have them turn around and tell me to sit down or they'd come out there and smack the taste out of my mouth. And then that that – you know, that distraction was enough to let the baby face get some shine on them real quick. And I felt like I was part of that, you know, but that that's missing nowadays. And it, I don't think it's the boys fault. I know it's, it's, it's a structured like that. Live TV is expensive. So there's not really much room for margin of, of error. You know, it's like, we know we got a TV block and we know it's this long and we know you got eight minutes and we know in that eight minute segment, that you're going to do this and this guy's going to come in here and we need to show this backstage skit. And we, so those guys don't really have time. So I don't really think it's their fault. And, uh, but I also think that's why the big company loves guys that have no prior experience so they can just train them into their one cookie cutter method of working versus guys who have been out on the scene for a while who actually have to learn how to work and learn how to interact with the crowd. And then they have to bring you in and deprogram you and train you the way they want you to work. I'm glad you brought that up because we've, uh, and not only us, but uh, we've kind of been down on some of the writing and some of the stuff they're doing right now. But you're exactly right. Some of it is, is on the guys performing in the ring. They're not listening to the crowd. They're not responding or, or reacting. But again, like you said, they may not be allowed to. Yeah, they can't. And the thing is, it's like paint by numbers, man. It's like, it's like a dance step. And a, if a guy misses – if he misses speed, then he has no idea how to get the D and E. You know what I mean? And that's what usually happens. It's like, okay, step one, step two. 
oh, God, I misstepped on three. What do we do now? How do we get to four and five? Well, we can't because we missed three, and we're so pre-programmed that we have to do it one, two, three, four, five, that I don't know how I'm going to get there. And that's what happens, man. It throws them off. And luckily, a lot of they got like clever camera angles and post production and all that. They can fix a lot of that crap. But, uh, you know, we don't have that luxury. I don't have that luxury at the VFW hall. I don't have like I can't just stand there and look at my opponent and go, oops. You know, what I mean, I have to keep continuously working. And that, uh, you know, that that helps you learn. But again, they don't really want that's why I was so surprised when all these guys that that were being brought up from the Indies had been out for almost two decades working. Because I was like, they're going to have to deprogram these guys and, and get them to work their style, you know. Uh, it, and it's way different. If you watch it, it's way different, man. Pretty Very rarely ever see a guy get shot across the ring. It's generally always reversed. You never see, like, a lot of these things that are happening, if you, if you pay attention, if you're in the business, which I'm exposing it to death, but, I mean, it's already been exposed to death by a big, huge national guy. So whatever he does. I have to try to fix and it's going to be hard for me to do it out here, you know, at an armory in front of 25 people, but I'm going to keep trying. Do you think it's safe to say K Fabe is dead or dying? It is. And it, and it, and it depends on where you're at though, to be honest with you, because here's the deal, man. A lot of people live and die by the internet and WCW went out of business and it can show you the error of your ways by living and dying by the internet. Um, there's a, a yeah, it, it seems more prevalent, but, but really, in the overall grand scheme of wrestling fans, the internet fans are a small percentage of of the fans. In the old days, when they were millions of views on Monday night, and the the, the arenas were selling out twenty thousand strong, and you're not those people weren't fans; they were wrestling fans. And then when those people go away, that's when wrestling goes back down and stops drawing like it was and loses its popularity. And the diehard people stick with it. And those internet people stick with it because they don't love they love to just nitpick everything. Because any armchair quarterback can put together a five star match sitting on their ass watching TV. But when it comes to actually getting in the ring and delivering, it's a whole different story. Like me, I can sit here and put together a five star Ricky Steamboat match in my head, but as soon as I hit the ropes two or three times and I get winded, it's a whole different story. Well now you, Joey, you kind of mentioned, you know, uh, you know, speaking about putting together some matches. What might be some events that uh, Joey Corman has coming up in the near future that you're going to be out competing in for those fans to go out and watch you at? Well, a lot of times I wrestle in Tennessee, to be honest with you. And I wrestle in Tennessee because, number one, I'm a huge Tennessee wrestling fan. Um, And I enjoy – one of the things you're going to learn as a professional wrestler, if you're any good at it, is you have to have the ability to work to your surroundings. Tennessee is one of my favorite places to work because those folks over there still appreciate old school wrestling. They, they like it. They like you to involve them. They like you to be a heel. They like you to be, uh, you know, have your defining role in the match. They like all that stuff. So I work a lot for uh, pro wrestling mid South over in Ripley, Tennessee and Dyersburg, Tennessee. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Tennessee because there's no athletic commission and I'm not a big fan of the boys being extorted by a phony uh, made up commission. Well, I know in Arkansas uh, space cowboy, Jason Jones, we had him on recently and uh, he was sharing some of the issues that he's had to deal with on commissions where, you know, they're really trying to 
run it like it's a, uh, you know, I think Nathan and uh, Jason told the story of there was a, a person that was going to referee a match and then also wrestle in the same match. And they said, no, you can't, you can't uh, referee and do a match of the same night because you would not be fair if you're a ref <laughs> in one match and then wrestling in another. How could you be fair in your match? So, uh, you know, I know J- Space Cowboy was just saying some of the craziness he's had to deal with with commissions has just been crazy. Well, it's a joke. It's a good old boy committee started by some good old boys, and it's another way to extort small business owners out of money. If you own a business, if you own a professional wrestling company, you generally have to pay state taxes. You you generally have to pay federal taxes. You have to do all the things that business owners do. You have to have insurance. You have to do all that kind of stuff. And then you got these guys rolling in with their badge telling you that, oh, yeah, man, well, now we need our cut. We're like, well, why do you need your cut? I'm already paying state taxes. I'm already paying federal taxes. I'm having to pay the security guard. I'm having to pay a crew. I'm incurring all these expenses as a small business owner. And then once you incur all those expenses and you put in all that work and all that effort, you got some yahoo rolling in with a phony badge telling you that he needs his cut. To me, that's extortion because you're doing nothing except rolling into your building and telling you that they want money. And I don't understand how that's that's legal to do because you're already paying your taxes. You're already doing all the things that you're supposed to do. And you got these clowns just rolling in with their badge telling you that they owe you that that you owe them money and they regulate these things. I'm like, so if you're if somebody's doing a play at a school of uh, the outsiders or something, and when it comes to the big fight scene at the park, does the athletic commission bust in and say, whoa, 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 let me see everybody's license. I need to see everybody's license before you do this fight scene. No, they don't do that. They only pick on wrestling. And then when big guys come, when the big company, again, I'm not going to mention them because I don't care enough about them to mention them. And they definitely don't need me to mention them. When they come to town, they can easily cut a check and make these yahoos go away. Well, the rest of us can't do that. So the big company went to battle with the New Jersey uh, you know, commission because they didn't want to pay sports and gaming taxes or whatnot. So he already did that and exposed it there. So if you're going to go to battle over there on the East Coast when you're dealing with New Jersey and New York and all these other places where rent's crazy and there's all these permits that you got to have to do anything, then I don't see why you know, we would have to do battle down here with this Yahoo backwoods crap. I don't get it. I mean, you know, nothing against Arkansas. It's a fine state. But I don't really want some dude rolling in with a fake badge telling me that he needs my money. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, I think uh, the Space Cowboys said they've gotten a legal win. They're looking like, you know, they might be doing deregulation. And to me, that sounds like that's the way it needs to go. But, but plus, too, it's hard because the majority of these events, if you really watch them, a lot of them are doing fundraisers for different charities and <laughs> things like that. And all they're doing is taking money away from these charities. Yeah, and I mean, and that's another way to put it. That is a way to put it where you may be able to get more empathy from, you know, the just John Q. Citizen because you're like, hey, we're doing a fundraiser for a, uh, for a sick kid or whatnot, and then these clowns are coming in and taking a cut of that. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It, you know, it's like it's like setting up a lemonade stand to, to raise money for something, and all of a sudden this some clown from the tax office rolls in and asks for his cut. And you're like, come on, dude, we're doing this because we're trying to help each other out. And now you're going to come in and take this kid's lemonade money. Are you serious? And they will. They'll find some shyster way to come in and take a kid's lemonade. 
All right. Well, real quick, I know we've had you on quite a while, and thanks for coming on. And we were a little bit late getting you on. We were a little long-winded today, but real quick, uh, Mount Rushmore. If you were to pick your Mount Rushmore wrestling, who would make your Mount Rushmore? Um, Luthez, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'll tell you what, that's a good group right there. You can't do much better than that one. When you're talking about guys that consistently drew money and guys that consistently knew what they were doing, I would say Thez, Flair, Austin, and Hogan. I mean, you know, there's guys that have drawn money over the years and uh, guys that have done really good for themselves, Um, you know, and maybe even helped the business along the way. But as far as guys with longevity and guys that uh, made, you know, a lot of money, and that's the thing. Unfortunately, you, you know, you may be the best wrestler in the world, dude, but there may be a guy that's not as good as you that draws more money. And unfortunately, in the business world, you have to judge it like that. Um, you know, uh, some of my favorite bands will never be as big as Justin Bieber, but he'll always be more successful than them. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, there's a guy right now probably playing in a bar somewhere that's just as good of a guitar player as uh, Jimi Hendrix was. But we'll never know because we'll never be in that bar. Does that make him any less than a guitar player? Nope. We'll just never hear of him. So, unfortunately, that's the way it works. But, uh, yeah, I think those four guys, as far as consistently drawing money and uh, helping the business along the way, a guy like Lou Thez really helped the uh, image of professional wrestling because he was the consummate champion. Uh, guys like Hogan brought it to a, uh, you know, like a national level and a more of a kiddie level, which is fine. Um, Flair consummate pro consummate and who didn't want to be rick flair and uh you know stone cold steve austin brought a whole new era of fans uh, on board and he drew a lot of money in the process so uh yeah i mean as far as business big business i would put those four guys up there hey with your texas roots starting out wrestling down there have you had a chance to watch the uh, dark side of the ring that featured the bruiser brody gino hernandez and the von erics yeah, I watched them all, and, and the thing, I don't really like watching anything about Bruiser Brody because it gets my blood boiling about how, like, terrible – and I'll go on record to say this anywhere, anytime, recorded for anybody. Um, Jovica, Cologne, and Jose Gonzalez are garbage. Like, I'm just going to go on record to say – I want to say that for the rest of my life, and I'll continue to say that. Carlos Cologne, Jovica, and, and uh, Jose Gonzalez are garbage people. And uh, the fact that Cologne was inducted into that farce of a Hall of Fame was a joke. Uh, and the fact that that uh, that uh, Gonzalez is still running around like, you know, uh, touting this whole Brody thing is just shows how much of a disgusting piece of garbage that he is. And, um, you know, the Von Erics obviously was tragic. The fact that Kevin is still around is a testament to how strong that dude is, and I'm happy to see that his kids, Ross and Marshall, are, are doing well and getting, you know, getting a uh, getting a little plug there. That's awesome for them. And Gino was ahead of his time. I think Gino was just starting to uh, reach a, a stride, and who knows where he would have went after that. He was the type of guy that was four horseman material. He was the type of guy that was NWA champion material, as far as I'm concerned, because the things that he had accomplished by the time he was 28 years old. Um, you know, so yeah, I've seen them and all of them make me like 
sad, but the one that always pisses me off the most is anything to do with Bruiser Brody. If you get a chance to watch any kind of shoot interview where uh, Jim Cornette interviews Savio Vega, because Savio Vega's not scared. He's, he's not scared of the thugs over there on the island, and he straight up said that. He'll tell the truth about it because Savio's a man, and he's not afraid of those punks. And, um, you know, so any anytime I have to listen to anything about what happened to Brody, it just makes me furious because he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And the fact that that piece of garbage was able to continue to have a career and uh, they were able to continue to run that company is a joke. And it, all three of them are garbage people as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just the, the way that whole situation went down. And then also for the WWE to put him in – in the Hall of Fame, I mean, that's just a disgrace. Uh, Bruiser Brody, I mean, talk about before his time. I mean, the matches that he put on and the abuse he would put his body through, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. And Gino Hernandez, i got to be honest with you, I never saw a whole lot of Gino Hernandez uh, just because that was, uh, you know, my era kind of started after that. But when I was watching that documentary, I went back and looked up a lot of stuff. I was like, holy cow. This guy, this guy was amazing, and it was just so sad to see what ended up happening, and then also the, uh, you know, what his family, what his mom had to endure this whole time since he's passed away. Uh, you know, you can't watch that one without without having a uh, tear run down your face. Dino was phenomenal, dude. He was headlining shows at 19 years old, and. Uh... You know, a lot of that had to do with his relationship with Paul Bosch. That's fine, but you're not going to go up and work for somebody like Farhat for the sheet and not be able to deliver. You know what I mean? So uh, he was phenomenal. And his in his dynamic duo stuff that he did with Tully Blanchard was great. His stuff that he did with uh, Chris Adams was great. Um, and him being paired with – I'm just – he was these, – these kids – there's a lot of the kids that will never know who these guys were. And uh, because, you know, the E kind of likes to erase that and they're the uh, end all of wrestling. Like they started wrestling and they're going to end wrestling the way they try to portray it anyway. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of those guys are overlooked because they didn't have runs up there. Um, so but anybody that can, can pull up footage of Gino should and they should watch it and uh, watch a guy that was uh, ahead of his time as far as uh, a performer and like really season beyond his years. And, uh, you know, of course, the Von Eric, like that was a legacy that will never be taken away no matter what happened. And uh, Brody, man, the only person that had the balls to mention Brody was the Ultimate Warrior, which I thought was awesome. And Cologne was there that night. So he even kind of like, I'm sure it was kind of a snub because the Warrior's not worried about Cologne. He'd slap him around. Um, you know, even in his, you know, his terrible physical state that he was in when he's at the Hall of Fame, he probably could have knocked Cologne out because Cologne, like I said, he's just a garbage person. He's a joke. But um, yeah, uh, anybody, I implore anybody, man, to go back and find all the Texas stuff they can find. There were some phenomenal workers in Texas Iceman Parsons, the Freebirds, anything that they did in Texas. Uh, Mark Lewin was down there doing a lot of cool stuff. The Houston wrestling was amazing. Joe Blanchard stuff in San Antonio was amazing. Uh, footage that you can get from Amarillo. Dude, there was so much great wrestling going on in Texas and four offices that you could work for and make a living. Even out in El Paso, the Guerreros were running. So there was five offices that you could make a living uh, you know, in Texas. So, I mean – Anybody that would now with the power of the internet and YouTube, I I would recommend looking up all that stuff. Uh, any of the stuff from Paul Bosch, any of the stuff from Joe Blanchard, any of the stuff from the Von Eric, the era of, of world class, 
all of that stuff was great, man. And and you can get it. You can see it now, which is awesome. So, um, you know, that whole era, that whole era and area was phenomenal as far as workers went. You mentioned uh, pretty much kind of the territories right there. Uh, I know you don't keep up with the mothership, we'll call it right now. But there's some other promotions that's nationally, like ROH, NWA, uh, MLW. They kind of have, I wouldn't necessarily say a territory system, but it's real similar where they're each their own promotion, but occasionally you'll see the talent kind of hop around a little bit. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to compete with the mothership, but with All Elite Wrestling coming into the picture, uh, might join forces with them. Do you think that's enough to maybe make Vince's uh, – blood boil a little bit and maybe uh ratings right now for wwe is as are low they're, they're hurting right now uh with aew coming in do you think that will be i guess competition well you know uh, the ratings for the for the for the mothership so to speak are low as they should be because their product is garbage you consistently put out a garbage product people should stop watching it like i I'll get online on a Monday night, Tuesday night, and I just see people bitching. And I'm like, well, stop watching it. You know, I've said it's like you you buy a brand of ice cream and you eat it and it's garbage. Well, the next week you go and buy it again and it's garbage and you buy it again and it's garbage. After a while, it's your fault. You're the one that keeps buying the garbage product. So if you keep watching the garbage product, you really don't have anything to complain about. Stop complaining. Just stop watching. But uh, with AEW coming in, the initial pop for AEW will be great. It's just whether they can sustain it because, yeah, you know, you, you're able to sustain it for a minute with some great wrestling. Again, that'll get those quote unquote smart fans to watch it for a little while. But you need your run of the mill guy sitting on the front row with his kid. Now, that's cool and all, and you can sell that to a few guys sitting in the front row with their kid, but the overall product has to have something that is, uh, you know, that going back to that emotion that you used to sell in professional wrestling, you got to have a storyline or something that will keep these people interested. So while some guys may get excited about two guys doing a bunch of flips and kicking each other in the head 53 times, some guys will get excited about one punch actually meaning something. So if you don't have that to offer, you know, it's like a hardcore show, dude. If every match is a hardcore match, well, then no match is a hardcore match. It's just a standard match. So you got to have something for everybody. If you like it, it, that was one of the reasons why I think WCW was successful back in the day, because you had the veteran guys that came out and worked veteran style main event matches. And that kept people, you know, that kept people interested. But then you also had the guys that were flipping and flopping and flying like Malenko and uh, Guerrero and, and Mysterio. That was something for the newer fans to get excited about. And then you had, you know, you had some good tag team stuff. So you had that, that niche covered. And then, so, I mean, I think you're going to, it depends on what they do. If they have, if they cater to a one trick pony, then they're going to, you know, you're going to burn out pretty quick. But if they have something to offer everybody, if they have something to offer those guys that are in the athleticism, but they also have something. It's the right ECW was a success at the beginning because you had Sandman thrashing people. Those guys love that. But they also appreciated a guy like Shane Douglas who could come out and have a standard match that was awesome. And then you had Sabu flying and then you had, you know, another guy coming out with barbed wire or whatever. That was why it was so successful, man. You had the flyers, you had the standard workers, you had the hardcore crap. You had something to offer all those people. And now every indie show pretty much is how many flips can I do and how many times can I kick you in the face? 
So if AEW uses that same formula, it's it might succeed at the beginning. It might pop a big, you know, for a minute. But sustaining the uh, interest is going to be the test. Can you sustain the interest? Will you put on a TV product that people actually want to tune in and see? Uh, the big mothership is suffering from putting on a product that nobody wants to see. So if they fall into that same category, then they'll just burn out like everybody else. But if they if they have something that they can consistently uh, you know cater to every type of wrestling fan then maybe and dude best of luck the more places that there are where people can work and pay their bills that's awesome for for the guys in the business that's awesome so i'm not going to knock them i'm you know best of luck in the world that the the, uh, one pay-per-view they did that was a huge success for them and i think that if they would have booked kenny omega versus cm punk they probably would have sold out any building that they booked for their next pay-per-view that's just my my honest opinion because that's a match I actually would have watched, and I don't keep up with anything contemporary. I just would have watched it because I want to see how Punk would teach Kenny Omega how to work. So I would watch it for that. You missed. You missed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but and, and the only match I'm looking forward to is I would really like to see Dustin work Cody because Cody gets it. Dustin obviously gets it, and I want to see those two guys work together. I actually want to see a contemporary match. You mentioned a mix of styles. I don't know if you've had a chance to check out MLW. They got a really good mix of styles right now. They got uh, Jim Cornette's in there. He's helping not only in commentary but behind the scenes too. But they've got Teddy Hart, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., the the Von Eric boys you mentioned earlier just signed. Brian Pillman Jr.'s in there. They've got some lucha stuff, but they got some traditional things too. And that's one reason that Dave and I, at the Slop Drop, we support indie wrestling because we are traditional wrestling fans. And we do like a little bit of the splash here and there. But almost every indie wrestling show we go to is just an awesome mix. And it should be. And that's what I mean. It should be because you want the guy on the front row that wants to see blood. You want that guy to be happy. But you also want the guys who, like, love guys that know 15 different variations of an arm bar. That's great. Okay. so we. But I can't give you that every time. I can't. I can't give you I can't give you ten matches and all ten of them are guys exchanging arm bars because while a small segment of the crowd may be like, Oh yeah, dude, great wrestling, it's not gonna it's not gonna sell on a on a on all the way across the board. I love Luthez. Most people won't like watching Luthez's matches because he wrestled. Nobody wants to see that. I love watching guys like Mark Fleming. They wrestled Dan Severin. Uh, I don't use that stuff at all. I very rarely – now as a heel dude, I very rarely ever go down and do anything that resembles a wrestling move anymore. And it's not because I don't know them or it's not because I, don't, I can't use them. It's because my idea as a heel is to always make my babyface opponent look like he's a better wrestler than me. I don't care if he is or not. If this big move is a hip toss, then I'm going to dumb down all of my heel offense to make his hip toss look even bigger than it is, right? That's the way I approach wrestling. But, you know, a lot of guys don't because it's me, 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 I, 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 instead of show. Like if I got eight matches on a show and three of them are good and the rest of them are crap, that's not a good show. And that's not a good show for any of us. But if I have an eight-match a eight match show and like seven of the matches are phenomenal and one of them's good. Then we've all done something. We've all worked together to make you want to come back and see. I can't have a ten match show with one good match. I can't do that. That's not that's not a successful formula. But a lot of guys don't understand that. They don't understand that there used to be a slow build 
where the show started and it had a starting point and it had an ending point and we were all working towards that ending point. That's not the way it is anymore. Now people are just like me, me, me. I want to get my, I want to get my stuff in. I got to do this. I got to do that. And if they would smarten up and work to their surroundings, not only would they have a better match, they'll also uh, make their careers a little bit longer. Well, and, and I'm glad, you know, listening to you talk about, you know, psychology to me means so much because it drives me crazy when you watch something and you'll see someone, you know, they, they might do a, a strong move on this person that should finish the match, and yet there's no impact within a minute. They're like, nothing ever happened. You know, they take this huge bump. A lot of times it seems like the art of selling in psychology is gone because everyone's just trying to get their stuff in. And that's what happened. And what happened is is the boys started getting worked by the wrestling business. In the old days, the boys worked the business, and that was just the way it is. But what happened was these young guys, they started getting worked by the business. And I've used this as an example a hundred times. Watch a wrestling show from 1985, and the majority of the people on that show are still alive because those were guys that worked the business. Watch a show from 95, and the majority of those guys are dead because those are guys that got worked by the business. And there's a big, big difference. If you're going to let the fans call your match, then you should just go sit out there with them with a ticket stub in your pocket. So that's what happened to wrestling. And unfortunately, a lot of guys are having to learn the hard way because they're laying in traction or they're in a neck brace or they're paralyzed or whatever because you can't make those dudes happy all the time the if you if you pop the dude on the front row that's always on the internet marking out that's great but when you break your neck he's not going to care he's going to move on to the next guy that'll cater to him so you got to realize that it's your body you got like one body and these guys have tons of different bodies to choose from the fan in the front row when you break your neck he can move on to the next real life action figure and use him to live vicariously through you can't you're laid up in the hospital and sitting in a wheelchair or whatever. So these guys need to start thinking about that crap. Like, yeah, you're popping the dude on the front row that gets on the internet all the time. Who cares? What about the 47 people behind him that didn't give a crap that you did a double springboard twisty flip to the floor? What about them? Well, uh, Joey, I noticed too uh, lately, uh, I think you formed a uh, tag team uh, group with a couple guys, uh, R.W. Hardy. Uh, you guys have been tagging up uh, – How's that uh, partnership with you working out with R.W. Hardy? R.W., man, is a hard worker. Uh, R.W. is the type of guy that is um, – sometimes for some folks, he's hard to swallow, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because he's passionate about it. He's passionate about pro wrestling. He takes it really, really serious. Sometimes maybe more serious than he should, and I don't mean that in, as far as training. I don't, I don't think you should ever lack on your training or, or you know, your discipline. But, but I mean, like the mental, the mental preparation that goes into being a wrestler can sometimes like wear you out quicker than the physical part. And a, a lot of times, our dub, I have to bring him down a notch. Which, if I'm calming you down, then you're you're <laughs> amped up. You're you know what I'm saying? So like. Because I, I, I haven't always been the most positive guy in the world. And, you know, sometimes I've, you know, come off in a negative light when people talk to me. They got to get to know me. I still care about pro wrestling. I still love it or I wouldn't still be doing it. And I'm here now more as a teacher. And that's the thing that I tell RW. I'm like, dude, I'm going to teach you more outside of the ring than I'm going to inside of the ring. It's like any person can go through a series of moves. I'm going to teach you why and how and when. 
And I'm also going to teach you when to keep your mouth shut because I learned the hard way years ago when I didn't keep my mouth shut. So I'm going to try to keep you out of some of those situations. So a lot of times a guy like R. Dup is hard to swallow for a lot of people because he's passionate and he's a little brash. And he, dude, R. Dup's military, man. He did three tours in Afghanistan. He don't have time to play. He don't have time to be a baby. He doesn't have time for mamby, pamby, cry, baby crap. He just doesn't have time for it. And a lot of people don't like that. The wrestling business nowadays is a little bit nicer and it's a little bit more lenient. I think R. Dup would have fit in better back in the day. I mean, he might have taken a couple ass whoopings, but it's, he's not the type of guy that would have bailed. He would have taken the ass whoopings, learned from it, and went on. A lot of guys took ass whoopings back in the day, dude. It made them better. So, uh, I mean, he, I think he would have been better suited for even when I broke in 20 years ago because it was a little bit more cutthroat. We were a little bit more mean to each other. We were a little bit more violent sometimes. We weren't malicious, but you had to weed people out. You didn't want 10 people to graduate from wrestling school. You wanted about three. Because 10 people meant you had to compete with 10 guys for a job. Three, we can handle that. You know what well, I mean? Well, hey, we're really looking forward. I know you guys, I think you go by OSP. I think you're going to be uh, debuting for SPW in Pocahontas, Tennessee on June 1st. Uh, I tell you, that's going to be a fun team to watch with you guys. Yeah, man. OSP is old school pride. So you guys remember that because uh, – we're, we're, uh, we, we do have a lot of pride in our old school values and our old school wrestling. That's pretty much all R-Dub and I watch religiously. Like right now, I've got a match on, and it's Vader. And uh, let's see, it's Vader and Rick Rude working Sting and Flair. So it goes back a little ways. Oh, man, that, that's, uh, that's quite a match there to watch. I, was, I always grew up, I love that old WCW, NWA stuff. That's what I grew up on. And, uh, you know, I, I love watching you guys. I got a chance when we were interviewing Space Cowboy at the MSW gym, you guys were kind of working in the ring with each other and seeing you guys talk about psychology and things like that. And uh, seeing all the things you're doing with a lot of the new up and comers just getting in the business is great. Well, you got to have a selling point, like I told you, man. If you have a roller coaster, usually that roller coaster has a selling point, right? It has the biggest hill. It has the biggest loop. It has the biggest 360. It's got to have a selling point. If you just have a bunch of hills, then you don't really have anything to sell. And that's, to me, like what wrestling is nowadays. It's just a bunch of explosions in a movie. Well, why did the building explode? I don't know, because before I have a chance to sink in, another one explodes. So it kind of loses its luster. It's like... Well, the first explosion was cool, and in 27 explosions later, you don't give a crap. You're on your way to get popcorn, and that's kind of what happened in wrestling. You know what I mean? You see 27 flips to the, to the floor, you're on your way to get popcorn, dude. You don't care. Well, Joey, I, I know we've had you on for almost an hour now. just want to say it's been a pleasure having you here on the Slop Drop. Uh, definitely going to have to have you back. Now we got you all set up, uh, it won't take you long to get on the show. We'll have to have you on again. Uh, but we, it's been a pleasure hearing about your history and your passion for professional wrestling. Well, let me just say before I go, thank you guys very much for allowing me the forum. Um, and I don't want to come off as bitter or anything like that. I love the wrestling business. I love my brothers that are involved in it. I just want you guys to take care of your bodies and take care of each other. And, uh, you know, because I want you to be around for a while. So I don't want these guys to burn out and I don't want them to be permanently injured. And, uh, you know, I just want them to take care of themselves. So I don't want to come off as bitter. I really love the business and I love the boys and I love the brotherhood. And, uh, you know, I just want everybody to be safe and go out there and put on the best performance that they can. And I want you to know why you're doing it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, I appreciate it. Man, you're a pleasure. You're welcome to, to – 
you're welcome to join us anytime. We appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us tonight. All right, man. You guys right, man. have a good hey, one. Hey, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it, man. That about wraps it up for us. Uh, find us on Facebook at The Slop Drop and on Twitter at The Slop Drop. One, we want to thank Joey Corman for joining us this evening. We want to thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, hey, I got to say, thanks. He's not Joey Corman. He's the last great hope for wrestling. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. See you guys. Goodbye and good night.